A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and this week we're doing something a little bit different. After a bunch of very political episodes over the past few weeks, I wanted to take a little breather and I couldn't think of anyone better to do it with than the three stars and creators of the hilarious new Showtime series, Moonbase 8. I still can't quite believe that it happened, but I was able to get John C. Riley, Tim Heidecker, and Fred Armisen all together on one Zoom call to talk about the delightful escapism of their new show. We also got into the various ways their careers have crossed paths over the years and what they each have coming up next. In this clip from the premiere episode of Moonbase 8, which is available to stream for free right now on YouTube and on demand, the three aspiring astronauts discuss possible solutions to a very serious water crisis at their desert base. Okay, so this is a dilemma. We're up on the moon. We've got to deal with this, right? We've got to find a solution. So I've done an accounting for all the liquids that we have up here that are drinkable. We've got 14 gallons of bottled water. We've got some juice, uh, some of the water we use for our toilets. All right, so let's show NASA that we know what we're doing. What, else, what are some other ideas? What about the vegetable oil? Some olive oil upstairs, canola. You, you cannot drink vegetable oil. It's liquid. So it should be drinkable. The solubility is zero, so we can't use it. Yes, Cap? Uh, you have to add vinegar to oil for it to be drinkable. That's salad dressing. I know. So I, I wouldn't say this is a typical episode of The Last Laugh, but it was an absolute blast, and I hope you really enjoy it. So here's me with John C. Riley, Tim Heidecker, and Fred Armisen. Where are you guys? I didn't expect you to be together. Me and John are in Glendale, my, in my garage. Nice. I'm in Vancouver in a hotel in quarantine. Oh. How are you holding up, Fred? It's pretty strange. I mean, I really can't leave the room. I can't oh, leave yeah. the hotel room. Two weeks. Is that how the beard grew? <laughs> yeah, that's how my beard grew. I forgot to bring a razor. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, guys, for doing this. It's very surreal to be on Zoom with all of you after binging the show over the last few days, which I just really, really enjoyed watching uh, Moonbase 8. So thank you for, for... By the way, I jump in on you like this so quick, but I think maybe you guys don't realize, and this happens to me all the time when I'm doing press, it's always these... You guys who are see, seeing it for the first time, we, we, you know, we make these things in a vacuum and we show them to our friends and stuff. But then these interviews are like you guys going, yeah, I watched it. It's great. And we're like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. like, we don't have any Some idea. Some of the first feedback we're getting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm happy to give you feedback. No, I, I really loved it. And it was also just like a really great escape from everything in the news and the world, yes. um, which I think is interesting because it's coming out just a few days after uh, Election Day. And so I was wondering if that was sort of part of the hope is that it's going to be sort of a, a respite for people who are going to be so even more consumed than we are at this moment. Well, depending on who you want to win the election, it's either going to be a great way to celebrate the new era <laughs> that you're in, or it's going to be a way to have a little humor in your life when you're horribly depressed. Yeah. yeah. The original 
date was going to be like the week before the election. And I threw up a red flag. I was like, nobody is going to be thinking about anything else that week. And maybe it's not the best time to launch a new comedy show the week before the election. So yeah, I mean, we hope it can be like at least a, a little distraction. Even after the election, I feel like it's going to be a very stressful period of time for a while. So because the show isn't super connected to current events and it's funny that it'll be some kind of relief. A tonic, a balm. Well, I have to tell you guys, when I saw the announcement for this show come out, I don't know, a few months ago, I was like, this seems too good to be true. The three of you guys working together, um, the premise, and it really it does deliver. And it was just, it's just so funny. So I guess just to kind of kick off here, how did this happen? How did you end up three of you guys working together on this show? Well, we knew each other. Like uh, Tim and I have worked together a bunch. Fred and I have worked together a bunch. And then Tim and Fred did an episode of Portlandia together. And while Tim was up there in Portland, he wrote me, he's like, Fred is so fun. Like Tim <laughs> knew Fred before that, but he's like, he's so fun. Like the three of us should do something together. And that Tim really kicked off that idea. And then we just started I mean, that text chain is still going on to this day. Yeah. We still goof around every day on that text chain. So that, that text chain is really was the development process for the writing of the show. We started exchanging images of these simulated space programs. You know, once we decided on this actual scenario that we wanted to try to do for the show, then we just started sharing it, sharing ideas, making each other laugh, coming up with jokes, coming up with character ideas. And it built like that. And then we got John Chrysler involved and that brought us to an even more flushed out place. Yeah, so that's how it started. Mm-hmm. And I think we just really wanted to work together. Like we, it's almost like we were waiting to work together. Yeah. We wanted some kind of an official excuse to make something. And we wanted to work together in the right way where we could basically have, you know, go off in our little corner and do exactly what we wanted to do, do it our way. And that was, you know, what we ended up being able to do. Where did the concept come from to set it all on this, you know, sort of simulated uh, moon base? Well, you know, I, mean, <laughs> I have, I have my, my idea of what happened. Yeah. And then each of us had these different moments of inspiration where we're like, yes, this. And we all kept adding to the soup. But I did have in the back of my mind for years this idea of doing, I actually wanted to do a horror film set on an Antarctic base based on this National Geographic story that I read about these bases and how weird it gets when they spend all these days in darkness together. And they kind of obliquely reference it in the National Geographic article, like interesting relationships develop Mm -hmm. in the... 80 days of darkness and you see a picture of them like unloading cases of beer and i was like that would be a really interesting <laughs> thing and so it was like one of the few things i had kind of in the back of my mind i threw it to these guys and it became you know with their additions became this simulated space mission yeah i think there's also like a slapstick classic comedy connection you know the three stooges go to the moon it felt sort of classic to us and just sort of really easy to understand those motivations and the playing with science, playing with the idea of space and what the classic idea of what being an astronaut was all about in our, in our minds and and playing with that. There's also something really resonant about it in this, you know, weird quarantine time when everyone's staying inside and, and kind of cooped up with people. And that's sort of replicated in the show, I guess, inadvertently, because this was in the works before. I, I, I don't know. When did you shoot the, when did you shoot the show? It was before the pandemic, that's yeah. for sure. I'm not great with linear timelines myself. I actually 
couldn't tell you exactly. 2008. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's also when we made the show, you know, the, all anyone was talking about when we, when we made the show was going to Mars. You know, that was like what all the sexy people were into. So we deliberately picked the moon because it seemed like kind of low stakes and kind of mundane in a way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's another thing that our current situation caught up to because now there's four countries trying to do lunar missions again. So funny how, how uh, reality caught up with this nonsense that we made. <laughs> yeah. And then you, on top of that, you also have a quarantine episode where, where there's a sickness going around the, the base. So that also yeah. kind of made me even think more that maybe you'd shot it in the, in the last few months. No, I don't even know how it came up. It, it, was just, it was just something that fell into the story and it worked. It worked for the episode. And uh, yeah, we had no idea that it would resonate in that way. Because we have a virus, you get sick, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of idea just pops up when you say like, well, these three people are trapped together in this place. They share the air, they share everything. And then one of the first things you think about, well, what if somebody gets sick? Then they're all sick, you know, like, so it was kind of a natural thing to think about, but you're right, it resonates in this crazy way now. Since most people probably won't have gotten a chance to see the show yet when they're hearing this, could each of you kind of briefly describe your characters, maybe starting with, with John as, as Cap? My character's nickname is Cap, uh, Robert Caputo. <laughs> He is a former helicopter tour pilot from Hawaii who is divorced and owes a lot of tax money because his business went belly up. But he's kind of macho and he is capable and he is a good pilot. So he is a viable candidate for the space program. And somehow he's seeking redemption in his life by trying to become an astronaut. Mm -hmm. And how about Fred? Skip is the sort of scientist, like the most qualified for the mission. <laughs> and he comes from a family, or his dad is, uh, was one of the originators of uh, people who worked for NASA. So he's got the, Dr. Hanai. So there's, he's got this sort of family thing going where he wants to be as important as his dad was. He's the most qualified, but he's also kind of a mediocre scientist. <laughs> he's, he's good at looking busy, but I don't think he... I, I think in the science world, he'd be a little bit like, oh, yeah, that guy. No major breakthroughs coming. <laughs> no, no. He's the most qualified, but there's kind of a low bar. Yes. Yeah. Well, if there's the most qualified, then I guess I, my character would be the least qualified. Rook is, is kind of the guy stuck in the middle between sort of more dynamic range, you know, on the spectrum of, of personality. <laughs> Uh, but he's a religious person, a good-hearted person who's got a 12 or 15 children, young children back at home. It seems as if his uh, mission has been provided by his very attractive younger uh, pastor at church who thinks it's his duty to spread the gospel out into the universe. And what he thinks he's doing as an astronaut is, is, remains unclear as far as qualifications. It's, it's funny because you say that like you're the least qualified, but in fact, if you look at what going to space offers to humanity, you do need someone who's physically very capable with hardware and that kind of thing, which would be my character. You need someone who really has understands science and that kind of thing. And then this new part of our consciousness is the spiritual aspect. What does it do to the human spirit to go to space? What does it mean for the meaning of our lives? You know, so in a way, like Tim's character represents. And that. someone to make the eggs. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I feel like in, in space movies, there's always kind of like the one character who's like, I- I've never been to space before and I don't know what this is going to be like. And he's like yeah. the, the novice. So maybe that, that would be yeah. you. If I do die, well, I would hope that you two would promise to start a scholarship in my name to give a thousand dollar scholarships to everyone who applies. Anyone who applies? Yeah. Okay. And Rook, what if you die? Uh, just call Calvary Cross United. They got everything. Calvary Cross? Calvary Cross, my church. I, uh, I owe them everything. I was, you know, I was a, I was a fish head. I was addicted to the music of fish. Going fish around. to band? Yeah, I was tra- traveling with those guys. And I was doing merch for them and just got into all these different drugs. You know, it's a drug culture. And I was doing every drug you can imagine. I was doing marijuana, I was doing pot, and I was doing grass, weed, skunk, edibles, mints, lozenges, brownies. I ate so many pot brownies, I gained 200 pounds in one year. Hanai, go. You're dead. What's happening with you? Well, since my father, Dr. Hanai, worked for NASA, he got a huge marble monument for the entire family. And I will be buried alongside him. The plot is in red marble. (sighs) Are you checking out? No, I'm just listening. Your eyes are closed. Sometimes I close my eyes so I can concentrate better. So you mentioned that you guys all kind of work have worked together in various ways in the past. John, I'm I'm really curious about your career trajectory from, you know, doing maybe more drama at the beginning and kind of getting more and more into comedy. Um, and I know you've talked about how you don't really approach them any differently, but I'm curious, when's the first time that you were really feel like you were given the opportunity to be really funny on screen? Well, this this is an angle that really drives Paul Thomas Anderson crazy because <laughs> he was like, did anyone see Boogie Nights? I mean, yeah, that's yeah. true. You are very funny in that. There's a yeah. lot of comedy in that. Yeah. It's all based in reality. He's an idiotic kind of character in that movie. But I mean, that's why I say I don't really see them as different because I feel like I've been doing the same kind of work all along. The projects change and the if the circumstances are absurd, then you're in a comedy, you know, if, if they're more serious, you're in a drama. But in terms of what I do, it's, it is pretty much the same. Although, of course, you know, Talladega Nights was when it really, like, that movie is just pure comedy. And and that introduced me. Yeah, it's exaggerated. It's over-the-top kind of pratfall kind of comedy. Not entirely pratfall. But anyway, yeah, that that's when people were like, whoa. Like, and a much larger audience appreciated my work as a comedian. Yeah. I have to ask about uh, Check It Out with Dr. Steve Brule, which is just really one of my favorite things that's ever happened and oh. existed. Um, and uh, that's Ours obviously where, where you guys really, you know, got to work together a lot. I was an executive producer on that. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah. it was great working with Tim and Eric and seeing what was coming in from the doctor. Yeah, and review the, all the budgets and everything. Yeah. Yeah. There's a mistaken, you know, some people think that you are him, obviously, but that's, that's kind of ridiculous how look alike kind of deal we're, we're keeping up with that yeah <laughs> where did that character come from i guess if either of you can take this one but what, what did, uh... <laughs> he's not picking up the the, the clues i don't know i don't, <laughs> I, I don't know i mean I, I i suppose when 
Tim and Eric first met the doctor, they just right. thought like, well, this guy deserves his own show or whatever. I was just happy to be there to support it as an exec producer. Check it out. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. I brought a real sushi lady in to make real sushi sandwiches for us. Hi. Sushi Torichi desu. Hi. 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 She's friendly lady. What do we have here? The building blocks of shishi. Shishi meat, peaches, and guacamole. Wasabi. What's up? Wasabi. It's not that hard to let other people from other countries talk to you. If you have peaches and it's just all peaches and cream all the time, it'd just be a dessert, you dongle. I love guacamole. It's my favorite. What's up? <coughs> oh, it's really hot guacamole. <coughs> <laughs> Holy guacamole! Yeah. Check it out. Is that something that you think might, uh, you know, you might be able to get him back on screen at any point in the future? Or are there any plans there? We've been trying to get in touch with him. It's very hard. You have to, you have to send a fax to Denny, his best friend, <laughs> and then Denny. He Denny, pages. Well, no, he uh, scans the facts and puts it on a, D, D, a CDR that he has to look at. <laughs> right? Yeah. CD-ROM. CDR. <laughs> wow. No, there is a there is a thing simmering at the moment that mm-hmm. that uh, no, there's there's an always an open there's always an open seat at the table for the doctor to to offer more entertainment and and information. Coming up. John and Fred look back at the week they spent together at SNL back in 2006, and Tim teases his absurdist new stand-up special that already has viewers deeply confused. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. In terms of when uh, John and Fred, you guys first worked together, was that when, when John, you hosted SNL in 2006? No. No, right? Earlier than that. What was the, what was the first time you guys worked together? We did a movie called The Promotion, and I think that was before SNL. I'm pretty sure. And I feel like I knew you before that movie. Yeah, but though. we knew each other. We knew I each other I knew before you because then. I knew Molly and, or something, or I don't know. No, uh, Marilyn Rice Cup. There we go. Ah. Yeah, we knew each other before. I have pictures of us at like a really early SNL party, maybe 2004, 2003 or something. Well, SNL started in the 70s, so that's <laughs> not that 
that early. That's true. We, we don't have any pictures of us from the <laughs> from 70s. It's still been a long time at that point. I auditioned, but the, they said I was being, I was like too much of a baby. <laughs> you auditioned as a baby when you're a baby for Saturday Night Live? Yeah, that's what, I thought that would be my thing. I'd be like, yeah. what's wrong with this? <laughs> you're going to be the baby cast member. And yeah. featuring, featuring Little <laughs> Freddy. <laughs> Little Freddy. Freddy the baby. <laughs> no, but we, were, we were together on this, this movie, The Promotion, and uh, God, I, I love doing that movie. That was awesome. Fred as a baby did this amazing toddler impression. <laughs> it was wild. Yeah, what do you what do you use for your baby audition, Fred? I mean, I didn't do the typical stuff of like Goo Goo Gaga because I don't think babies yeah. really <laughs> say that. It drives me crazy. I'm like, that's not what that's not what. Where does that and come from? Little Freddy <laughs> with musical guest the Ramones. <laughs> <laughs> What do you guys remember from the week that John you hosted uh, SNL? What 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 stands out in your mind from that time? Oh, we did a we did a fun sketch where you were crying and eating nachos. I think. <laughs> oh, I didn't think I saw that. That was in drag. That was good. And you did a good sketch with Will Forte, yes. which was I think he was a swimming instructor, but it's a tandem swimming instructor. You strapped so yourself to you them. You strapped yeah. yourself to the swimmer. <laughs> That's such a good idea. That was Will's idea. Yeah got a great, great, great body for swimming. I'm sure you say that to everyone. No, I don't. I have never, ever said that to anyone, except for my wife, 1948 gold medalist Greta Anderson. 1948? That's, that's quite an age difference. Age is just a number. Besides, the most important number in our relationship is 69. <laughs> you know what I'm getting at? I think so. Do you know the term if there's grass on the field and play ball? Sure. Well, there's still grass on that field, and I intend to play ball until the person that, that grass is on is dead. <laughs> I just remember it feeling like it's being shot out of a cannon. Like, you guys must have adrenal glands of steel to be doing that every week. The amount of, like, pressure, and uh, it's just a lot to carry for a week. So I suppose it's harder for the host than someone who's a regular cast member, but still like being alive on TV every week is that's not for the faint hearted. Yeah. Fred, do you have any plans to, uh, to appear on, on SNL anytime soon in this, in this new, uh, this new era that they're, that they're in? I feel like, uh, just travel is very restrictive. I, and like last year I got to do Bloomberg a couple times. I think every week for them is like, you know, they've really got to scale down the crew and, I think there were even their table reads and stuff like that. So if that day comes, I, I love going there. It's the it's the best. It it doesn't feel as travely right now. It doesn't feel like hey, just jump on a plane. I had to quarantine here in Vancouver for two weeks. You know, I think it's it's just difficult. When you do Bloomberg, where did the idea of having the Starbucks cup? One of the writers came up with it. <laughs> it's very good. Such a great psychological gesture for him. Yeah. His voice sounds like someone <laughs> drinking a Starbucks. Yeah. I, I think even when they were when they were rewriting it, they were just like, oh, after the dress rehearsal, they wanted to make they get a bigger one. They're like, why don't we just get a bigger? <laughs> Seriously, I was like, let's just get a bigger cup. I was going to ask Fred, are you disappointed? You know that Bloomberg didn't make it farther in the in the campaign because you really you had a big opportunity there. I think it's more fun for me if it's just short bursts of getting to do things mm -hmm. I, I think that's i i think i like it that way yeah is there anyone that you think they might call you in for in the 
in the, in the future? Oh, I have no idea. I just feel like new characters pop up in this all the time. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Tim, I wanted to ask, you have a stand-up special coming out very soon. Yeah. Fred just sent me a text about the trailer. He said, what you said, uh, it's a nightmare. <laughs> what a nightmare. <laughs> it looks like such a nightmare. That's Everything what you about hear. it. Tim sent me the poster and I was like, what does the date of the guy who went to this concert think of this concert? <laughs> <laughs> dates. Yeah. They were like, no, no, it's really funny. Come with me. Like, Trust horrible. Me. Just awful. Just yeah. the look. I, he keeps repeating things and he's so loud into the mic. He's <laughs> shouting into a mic through a PA and there's an audience there. We can all hear you. That is Fred's pet peeve, loud sounds. There's a, <laughs> there's a, you know, stand-up comedy. There's a few people that do it very well, but there's something about it that's very derivative. Over, <laughs> derivative and, you know, my friend's like, it's a dead medium. And like, it's, it's not that bad, but I enjoy tapping into the things I hate about stand-up comedy and the things that I see people getting away with. And, and just, you know, it's a character. It's a character piece of a guy who really does not belong up there floundering and failing i, I love failure you know failure is really funny to me <laughs> i remember seeing him do one of the first times yeah. he did it mm-hmm. i might have been there like you just got up at some place we were at and his first joke was like what's the deal with coke and pepsi yeah, yeah. you know like <laughs> coke pepsi tastes the same like these jokes would just die and just mm-hmm. lay there it was like very funny Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Tim Heidecker. I'm a comedian. When I tell people that, they say, what do you mean, like Tim Allen? I say, oh. Uh, a little bit about myself. Um, I was just recently named one of the five, top five uh, funniest people in America by a comedy magazine. Thank you. Ah, uh, what else? Um, I'm a guy's guy. I think we should get that out of the way. I don't, I'm a guy's guy. Hello. I'm a guy's guy. I love TNA, right? And I, oh, I know, I know the, the PC police are like, woo-hoo, woo-hoo. We got a criminal here, but everybody can relax. Everybody can take it down because when I say TNA, I'm talking about token and ale. So. Wait, what's the last line you, in the trailer? You say something like, that's what you got to do. What you gotta do? <laughs> it's all this crap. Like no more bullshit. That's my big deal. No more bullshit. That's what you gotta do. God. And it has like the, the the thing that I like. It has the it has the the uh, rhythm. Like if you didn't speak English, if you, if you didn't understand English and you were watching it, you'd be like, I guess, I guess this is uh, okay. I guess this is this is what doing, makes people because laugh it sounds there. like yeah. comedy. It but sounds like no stand-up content. Yeah. There's no actual idea. <laughs> What percentage of the crowd that you get to come see you do you think is in on the on the joke on that one? Well, for back in the day when you were seeing it, it was very much antagonistic because the audience didn't know what I was up to and they just were not having a good time. It was the best. People started yeah. yelling, heckling. <laughs> Did they not know? Really? Well, in the beginning, no. In the beginning, yeah. I was just kind of going up there. No one really knew who I was. And I was just, wow. you know, like Neil Hamburger might do. And now, like, same with Neil Hamburger. But at that taping, they're all in on the joke and they're laughing kind of the way you would normally laugh, but they're laughing because there isn't a joke or they're laughing at the performance. Yeah, I feel like you're going to get some really good YouTube comments on that one. Oh, it's going to be a feast. It's going to be wonderful. (laughs) 
A lot of bright people in the YouTube comments. Yeah, yeah. My favorite kind of comment, whether it's on Amazon when you're buying something mm -hmm. or whether it's like someone will ask, someone, <laughs> someone will ask a question like, I'm trying to find a Phillips head thing with, a, with this kind of fitting. Does anyone know about that? No, no I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and it happens over and over yeah, again. Sorry, like, no. I can't help you. Okay. I, I like the arguments with each other. Mm -hmm. Completely different from the original <laughs> topic. People just strangers just having these misspelled arguments. Yeah, we always get into that. We said I, there's a Beatles group on Facebook that I used to follow, and I would find these little sub strains of arguments, and really, you know, everyone's trying people to people lecturing each other. Yeah. <laughs> I love people in comments who are just like, "This is not funny." I mean, the whole. When did that start when people were, were letting everyone know what's fun, what they think is funny and <laughs> yeah. whether there's like a, a baseline for what comedy yeah, war is? Warning people, warning them that it's not <laughs> funny. Like, I don't know, they'll either find it funny or not. What is, what, yeah. Why do you have to warn them? <laughs> I actually love to read comments because I thought it was a great way to like take, take the temperature of where people were at. Right. Now it's so predictable. It's like one thing oppositional thing another thing yeah. oppositional thing it's just like so tiresome it's really predictable now yeah yeah before we go is there anything else you guys are working on that you want to plug i know john you're you're working on a um something with adam mckay right oh uh, yeah sorry i forgot there's a few, <laughs> things, there's a few things in the pipeline but yes I, I that's my next big job is this um show about the Lakers, the Showtime era Lakers. Speaking of Showtime. On yeah. HBO. Yeah. Well, that's going to be awkward if, if they call it Showtime on HBO. I know. That's, uh, we caused some huge beef between the two companies. I think they're trying to work it out. But <laughs> that is what the Lakers were called, yeah. Showtime. Anyway, I play the owner of the team, Dr. Jerry Buss. Yeah. And it's one of the best characters I've ever played. An incredible American success story. Incredible. Yeah, that's great. I'm excited for that one. Thanks. Me too. Fred, what are you quarantining for? I'm doing this show for Apple TV and that Cecily Strong is starring in. Oh, yeah. And Michael Keegan Key is in. And it's really funny. And um, But I just can't start working until I'm, I quarantine. So Yeah. And this and this beard is for that. They asked. Oh, some, really? Isn't being in Canada itself like being in quarantine? Right. <laughs> in a way, the whole country feels like a quarantine. But I, I really like how seriously they take it. It's it is no joke here. Like they're very like I really had to get right to my hotel room and that's it. <laughs> yeah, and very different. Check up on you and stuff. They just really take it seriously. Good. <laughs> so uh, we we end these episodes of the podcast by asking uh, comedians to kind of shout out another comedian that that really makes them laugh. So if you don't mind, I'd love to to go around and and for each of you to to just name someone or, or something that has really really made you laugh in your life. I'm going to start out with a real high bar, the great Steve Coogan, mm. who I worked with on Stan and Ollie, but yeah. his work as Alan Partridge is just, it's a master class in comedy. And I've never, you know, in terms of like constructing jokes, like Tim and I have both said today, actually, that we both think Fred is the funniest person we've ever met. But Steve Coogan has this way of in this very English literal way of knowing how to construct a written joke, knowing how to like lay something out so that boom, it hits exactly right at the end. So that's my shout out, the great Steve Coogan. Nice. I'll just say Vic Berger, uh, who I work with on my podcast, his edits of the past few years have been one of the things that 
you know, there's few, very few things that make me like go like, uh, like, like shudder <laughs> from laughter, like, mm-hmm. like can't breathe from laughter and that. And he just delivers that for me. So that's about it. Yeah. Fred? Martin Short. Mm-hmm. Martin Short, I feel like is funny in any moment, but I like that like he'll appear on a talk show and he'll make that little, that short, just that short amount of time that he's on a show really, really funny. And I like that he, it seems effortless. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> I think he does put in, put in effort to those. Yes, yes. But that's the... That's he prepares for talk show appearances, yeah. He's such an agile mind, too, Martin Short. Like when he's doing Jiminy Glick, you can see him bing, 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 bing. He's getting information <laughs> yeah. coming in and instantly reacting in like the perfect funny way. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's hard to yeah. do. And he's very tall, ironically. <laughs> I think. Or that, no. I might be wrong. No. I, I, mm. <laughs> Um, well, if anyone listening to this has not heard uh, my interview with Martin Short that was on this podcast a little while ago, they should go back and listen to it, including you guys. It's great. Check him out in Inherent Vice, too. Oh, oh yeah. That's awesome a good one. Well, thank you guys so much. I really did love the love the new show, and I think uh, people are going to dig it and enjoy it as an escape from from reality for a bit. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the podcast, and uh, I'll uh, hopefully talk to you all again sometime soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Hope you enjoy the show, everybody. Bye. All right. Thank you so much to John C. Riley, Tim Heidecker, and Fred Armisen for joining me on today's show. The first episode of Moonbase 8 is now available to stream for free on YouTube and on demand, and the rest of the series will air on Showtime Sunday nights at 11 p.m. starting this coming weekend. If you're enjoying this podcast, how about giving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts? We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.